Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Stormont's not back a month and a new row is brewing. It's over Casement Park, the long-abandoned remains of a GAA stadium in West Belfast. I hear a lot of talk about figures and what it will cost or what it won't cost, and let's focus on actually getting the project built, and let's focus on making sport something that unifies us all. Football and rugby got their share. Fans of Gaelic Games want theirs. GAA are keen that we see this built as quickly as possible so that we can see Gales of all ages being able to play in this iconic stadium. For Sinn Féin, getting Casement built is both hugely symbolic and economically important. I mean, Casement is a flagship project for the executive. It's long overdue. It's one of the remaining stadium projects that still has to be delivered. But for some unionists, the GAA is a rich, greedy organisation which needs to pay the bulk of the rebuilt costs itself. They've been far too greedy and it's time that government uh, both insisted that if they have to pay more, so proportionately the GAA must pay more and so there must be a clawback. All of this is happening against the backdrop of a commitment to play some Euro 2028 games in casement. A move opposed by many Northern Ireland fans. There are plenty of fans who are against it. They're totally opposed to it. They're angry about it. They're going to make their feelings hurt about it one way or another. So how much will this stadium actually cost? Who's going to pay? And is this about the Euros, or is it really to do with Northern Ireland politics? Joining me to discuss from our news team, Liam Tunney, and from our sports team, Keith Bailey, neither of whom are any strangers to the bell tale. Liam, I'll start with yourself, because you have been on the pitch in Kissing Park. I've been on the pitch in Casement Park a number of times. Um, sometimes as a player, sometimes as a spectator. Um, it, it was a big part of my childhood growing up. We would have gone every summer. You'd have gone continually. Um, I would have started as a child whenever the grass bank was there, if anyone remembers that. And then continued on throughout the early noughties whenever Antrim seemed to play dairy there every year and the sun was shining. It was a great atmosphere. And that's the kind of casement I grew up with and then went on to play there, good and bad days there. Um, under that the stand that when you walk out <laughs> it feels like there's thousands and thousands of people there when you get to the other side of the pitch and turn around maybe not so much but the, the sound is there and uh, I just great memories of the place and even going as a spectator later on in life and watching it and play there The controversy around casement is very multifaceted and it goes back a long way but let's just concentrate on the cash today as, as far as we can what is needed to be built, what is going to be built, what is planned to be built and how much will it cost? Can we fact check that? Because there's a lot of figures going about. 
there are a lot of figures going around, and one figure I see that came out on on Tuesday was from the audit office, who priced the project at one hundred and forty million pounds, and that was last June figure, June twenty twenty three. Now that differs greatly from the figure that was bandied about last week of kind of two hundred and twenty million rising to three hundred million. Um, that like Jim Shannon had mentioned at uh, at, a, at the Northern Ireland Affairs Committee. So there's a I don't think anyone really can be certain. I mean, costs change all the time. The audit office figure is an official figure given to them by the department, whereas the figures we've heard in the last couple of weeks are, I suppose, have come more on the grapevine than, than anything else rather than anything official. Um, the stadium itself is going to be 34,500 uh, seater, and that's down obviously from 38,000 originally planned in 2013. And that's due to the legal challenge, obviously, that came from the residents. And that itself then is part of the reason that the costs have spiralled and the time has increased between the plan of the stadium and the, the non-building of it at such at the minute. There's a host of controversies, there's a host of difficulties around Casement Park and the residents. In a, se- in a sense, the legal part of that question has been settled, but there will always remain those who who are opposed to the further development, I suppose the development up in, in terms of casement. But what the politicians are talking about, or supposedly talking about, is who is going to pay. Again, can we rationalise that? Can we fact check this? Well, who's going to pay? Is, uh, there are certain tranches of money that have come from different places. I mean, if you look at the original plan, uh, the GEA pledged £15 million. Um, Stormont added another 62.5, which brought it to the total of £77.5 million. Now that 15 represented around 19.4% of the total build at that particular time. Obviously, the costs in between have, have skyrocketed and the GA's contribution has remained the same. Um, the argument is that they, in fact, Charles Burns himself, the new president, said it would be unfair to expect the GA to pay any more than that. The GA were fully on board with the Maze site, which has its own complete story. And, and I mean, a lot of the things are being echoed at the minute, but... His point was that it was unfair to expect them to pay more when the delay wasn't entirely their fault. His rationale behind that is that obviously we had two periods where Stormont had collapsed within that 10-year period. There was also the legal challenges which caused those costs to mount and the fact that they had been so supportive of the Mays site and that had buy-in from all three organisations at the time and that fell through. So that's Charlotte Burns and the GAA's argument for, for not adding to their £15 million. But that's the makeup. In terms of the shortfall, the Irish government have pledged an extra fifty million euro or forty three million pounds. In fact, the GAA are in a move yesterday. Actually, Jared Burns almost claimed that money and said that the the GAA had lobbied the government to get that money and that that was going to kind of count as a pseudo donation on their behalf. And that was part of the reason why he said it would be unfair to expect them to pay any more. Now that is a shortfall. If you listen to the Department of Communities figure from today. That shortfall is in and around, you know, 30, 40 million. If you look at the figures last week, that shortfall is much, much bigger and it, it ranges over 100 million pounds. So th- those figures are there. Where the last tranche comes from, a lot of people are looking towards Chris Eaton Harris and the UK government. Um, and I mean, people are expecting that he, he did promise that money and people are expecting that money. Keith, how does this money, which to build casement and again we're not entirely comparing like with like but can we fact check that money in comparison to what was spent on Windsor and and rugby well i mean it's it's a much 
greater sum of money. I mean, it was always going to be a more expensive build. That was clear from the outset. That's part of the reason that, that football was also to get on top of Windsor Park, the sub-regional stadia funding. It was an idea that Windsor Park plus stru- sub-regional stadia funding equaled what was going to be spent in casement by the executive. Can I ask for just for, for non-sports fans listening, what is the sub-regional stadia funding? Sub-regional salary funding is really important to to Irish League football and football beyond that. It's a pot of £36 million that was put aside uh, in 2015, first mooted in 2011, uh, but put aside in 2015, that would fund various projects. Uh, One would be a training centre for the Irish FA for for young Northern Ireland footballers that are coming through, and other other various small projects around the Irish League. Glen Torrin want to upgrade the Oval, Carrick Rangers want to upgrade Taylor's Avenue, pretty much every Irish league club wants to do something to their ground. Um, but that money has been held back and held back and held back. And the, the general consensus within the football world is that they're not going to see that money until there's movement and casement. It's almost a until we, we see movement and casement that wouldn't be right for football to get more more money, essentially. Um so so in a sense, in a sense, with with all of this money being connected perhaps artificially you can see why for some people like Liam Beckett writing in the Belfast Telegraph he said the usual suspects are stirring sectarianism he says that shows that casement hosting 2028 was always a bad idea because what we're doing is we're competing for funding and we seem to be being set against each other for funding things don't seem to be separate pots they're dependent on each other and you can say you can see where the politics really starts to come in especially when you look at the entire history of this. Yeah, I mean, it's an uncomfortable thing because it, it kind of plays in the orange versus green kind of tropes and it, it pits people against each other and you see some pretty nasty stuff on, on social media. But from the RHFA's perspective, the way they look at it is that if casement happens, that's a good thing because that will hopefully unlock the sub-regional study of funding. And that's why they're fully on board with Casement Park, or one of the reasons why they're fully on board, obviously, they're being hosting Euro 2028. So just to expand on that in terms of where the IFA are at on this, I mean, for them, they support Casement Park, you're saying, because they think it will release more money. I mean, they were very positive about the Euro idea there at the start, but some say that the IFA are running scared of the fans. The Irish FA are full steam ahead. I mean, they are fully on board with Casement Park. They desperately want to host Euro 2028. We know that UEFA are in town this week. The IFA will roll out the red carpet for them in conjunction with with the GA. GA and IFA will work closely together on this. There's no doubt about it. The IFA are are fully on board with this project because they want the Euros in Belfast. They realise that's a big thing for football in Northern Ireland. And also the follow-on from that is that hopefully the sub-regional funding will uh, will become available. Now, you talk about them running scared from the fans. And there's a story in the Sunday Life uh, this week. Northern Ireland don't have four friendlies, in theory, coming up this year. Two of them in March uh, are, are away from home, already arranged. There's likely to be two in June, they're likely to be away. I mean, the suggestion is that they don't want to host home games at Windsor Park because there might be, you know, protests from the fans. Listen, I, I don't really know if I buy that or not necessarily. One thing you need to know about the IFA is they're constantly in opposition with Northern Ireland fans. This is nothing new. I mean, at the moment, it's all about Casement Park. Go back two years, it was all about ticket prices and they were getting an awful lot of stick from Northern Ireland fans about ticket prices. Go back a bit before that, there's a whole big fuss about 
ticketing for Euro 2016, which is massive front page story here in the Belfast Telegraph, ran for days and days. Go back even further than that. You know, Northern fans protested against the maze when the IFA were, were for it. So Northern fans and the IFA being in conflict, there's nothing new. It's almost kind of a something that's continuously running in some form. Keith, we've discussed the casement before. And one of the last times we discussed it, um, I was talking to Northern Ireland fans after the podcast and they felt that the extent of their opposition, uh, that is to say complete, total and utter to casement was played down by the podcast. We, we underestimated that. Do you think opposition perhaps is growing? I think, you know, with when it comes to Northern Ireland fans, it's a little bit like... What Liam was saying about the casement residents, that there's, you know, not everybody thinks the same way. It's it's a dangerous thing to think, to consider all Northern fans as one homogenous group. To give an example of that, if you went to a game at Windsor Park before the match, if you went into the pubs at the bottom of Sunday Row, you'll probably find that most fans are, are vehemently against the idea of Northern Ireland playing games at Casement Park. If you go around the corner to Labrys, you know, you'll find a much more relaxed attitude to it. Again, within the stands, you know, the singing, um, a, a song that I'm really uncomfortable with, uh, you can shove your Casement Park up your hole, which we've heard at the last couple of games. That's not sang by everyone or even a majority. Um, I think it's a really, I think that song, even for people who are against Casement Park, I think is the optics of it are horrible, and I think it, it, it you know it really really makes me uncomfortable. But you know, if you talk to if you look at that song, you know that song's kind of coming from the cop. If you look at other areas around the ground, fans will have a much more relaxed opinion again about Casement and wouldn't I wouldn't want to sing a song like that. So, Northern fans are are divided on this. It isn't. I think it's kind of. It's portrayed that they are all very anti-casement, and I'm not sure that's necessarily the case. There's a, there's a divide there, but you are right to say there are plenty of fans who are against it. They're totally opposed to it. They're angry about it. They're going to make their feelings heard about it one way or another. But I'll go back to what I said in that previous podcast, and I completely stand by it. If Northern Ireland play games at Casement Park in Euro 2028, you couldn't build that stadium big enough for the amount of Northern Ireland fans that would go to that game. You'd sell out. You could sell out three, four times over. Liam Beckett is a big name and in our own paper he's come out against this and David Jeffrey is a very, very big name and he's now made it an intervention on this story and that feels to me very significant. It's very curious. When, you know, it's funny when, when people think of David Jeffrey, I guess if they don't follow Irish League football and you ask them who David Jeffrey is, they go, big bald fella, used to manage Limfield, he's in the Orange Order and he talks very passionately about his, his faith and that maybe gives you an impression of the sort of politics he might have. That's not actually the case. David is maybe liberal, isn't a phrase he would use. A phrase he would use is forward thinking. He's forward thinking unionist. And he went on the view with Mark Crothers, what back at back at the tail end of last year, and passionately talked about how he believed Casement Park should be built and that Northern Ireland should play at it and the Euro should go ahead. What's curious about this and uh, significant about this, and I think people within the GA fraternity should should take note of, is that his opinion has changed. He has he's watched the debate take place and he's now come to the conclusion that actually while Casement Park should go ahead, it should be curtailed in some way, less expensive, and we should forget about the Euros being played there. I think the reason, and I haven't talked to him about this, part of the reason that he 
feels that way is he's sick of hearing commentators or reading columns or, or chit chat on social media of people from the, the GA side of the fence saying, well, anybody who opposes this must be a bigot in some way. He feels that like the concerns that people have, and I think we need to accept there are a lot of genuine concerns that the public have. We don't care about GA, don't care about football, don't care about sport in general. Their concerns about this money should really be spent on health or should really be sent, spent on education should be listened to and that that it's not right to dismiss these people who have these these sort of fears or these sort of um, concerns as being bigoted or, or that having an anti-GAA agenda because that's not fair. Liam, you mentioned the name Jarlath Burns just for the benefit of uh, our international listeners and for listeners who mightn't be acquainted with the GAA. Everyone who's who knows the GAA will know who Jarlath Burns is, but could you just explain... Who he is and why he's been in the news. First of all, the reason he's been in the news is because he's in the last few days become the president of the organisation as 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 a whole. Um, Jarlath is from Silverbridge in County Armagh. He is a Gaelgor. He's an Irish speaker. He won an All Ireland football title with Armagh in two thousand and two, uh, and he's steeped in the organisation and has been a, a big name within Ulster circles for years. Um, it, it feels like the kind of advent of his premiership within the GAA has been coming for the last 15 years. It's, it's been kind of tele or telegraphed. Um, so he, he is a big name and he's been in the news recently because of his, his new appointment. It's a hugely significant role culturally and politically. I mean, you look at the history of the GAA and the, the kind of the way it's developed over the years that a lot of the time... There, sometimes there's a lot more attention on what the president of the GA is doing than what the the, the leaders in Dublin are doing, uh, particularly in the south. Uh, he has a huge amount of influence, and he says the GA are committed to paying fifteen million for casement, and that just simply remains the case, not a penny more. Mm-hmm. Well, he also said that the GA were behind securing the investment from Dublin. Um, now that well, that's opportunism. I don't know. I think they they lobbied them and then they got that that funding. Um, what he's saying that it would be unfair to ask the GA to pay more. Um, and I think the basis of that argument is the fact that what happened in between to cause the cost of spiral was not the fault of the GA. Um, there there were two obviously lapses in local government. There were the legal challenges. Their argument is that that's not our fault. Therefore, why do we have to pay the amount? that that has raised as a result of that. The, the other point that he made was they were fully on board with the Mays project, which fell through. And again, they make the argument that that wasn't their fault. So why should they be penalised for those errors that, really that, made, that led to that? Caro Kane, writing in the Irish News, uh, he says, let there be no more debate about public money. Nationalists may not like who they pay their taxes to, but they pay them all the same. People, let's be honest, people have arguments over the allocation of public money in every country in the world, with the possible exception of North Korea. That is to say, there will always be this debate over, over hospitals, education, sport. and But it, it does seem that you can start to see this winding up into a, into something political here. I mean, this money was politicised long before Cahar put pen to paper this week. I mean, this money has been politicised since its very genesis when it was during the Mays Project. It became bogged down in political arguments. I was going through some of the minutes from the committees from that time and the same political arguments that are brewing now were happening there in those committee rooms um, between those politicians. And there's no avoiding that, Keith, is there really? Or, 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 could we, or could we do better? 
I mean, it's the same with absolutely everything in Northern Ireland. I mean, this is maybe more obviously green versus orange, but like when you dig into almost everything that we discuss in terms of public funding, there is some element of, of argument over that relates back to, to the divide, the d- deeply divided society that we live in. You kind of think that maybe something like health might be above that. But, you know, we argue about where hospitals should be and, and where should have facilities. And there's an element of that involved there, too. So it's just unavoidable in the nature of Northern Ireland. If we look again at this sub-regional stadia funding, I mean, people have a perfectly reasonable case to say, well, we pay our taxes to. Um, you know, we're supporters of Sklintoran, Linfield, wh- wherever. We would like better facilities at our stadium and we think that sh- there should be a public contribution to that. And obviously that's all connected. Do you think somehow But that's been, people are being blackmailed with Euro 20, uh, 2028? Like if Euro 2028 doesn't happen, if you don't allow this to happen, if you don't want this to happen, if you don't help this to happen, well then you're not getting your facilities either. Well, I mean, this this is part of the thing that infuriated David Jeffrey and has infuriated numerous people connected with with football in Northern Ireland is that like this funding was first muted in 2011. It was ring-fenced in, in 2015. It's 36 million. Now, like, if you look at safeguarding the union, obviously the, the government document that, that coaxed the DUP back in to exe- into the executive, it is in there, talked about, about it being released, which is a good thing but it's listed as being part of the legacy of Euro 2028. It's pretty bizarre that the money that was first muted in, in 2011 could now somehow be considered the legacy of a football tournament that happens, like, you know, 17 years later. Um, so that that annoys a lot of people, uh, and understandably so. And there's an issue with this $36 million as well, is obviously when it was talked about in, in 2011 and then 2015, what $36 million did in 2015 is nothing compared to what it'll what it'll do now. In, in other words, actually, if you talk to people at the Northern Ireland Football League, like Jared Lawler, the, the chief executive there, he wants much more than thirty six million. They're talking about wanting you know up to a hundred million to improve football grounds around Northern Ireland. And and listen, if uh, if Jared was here, I think he would make the case of, you know, we're talking about casement helping one side of the community and sub regional is almost seen as if it's helping the other side. Well. Football is a game that is played by by all. I mean, there a source told me that there there are more nationalists registered to play football than there are unionists at this point from a unionist background. So it is a game that is played by all sides of the community. So it's not really fair to box it in as if this is the the unionist side of the fence. Um, so th- that funding is re- considered really important to to move football in Northern Ireland forward because if you go around. A lot of the grounds, the Oval in East Belfast is a prime example. You know, it's run down. You know, clubs like I support, I support Arts Football Club growing up, and and you know that's a club who hasn't had their own ground. There isn't a senior standard football ground in Newton, a big town like Newton Ards, and they're looking four million to to build a ground there. And there's just there's loads of little examples all around the country of grounds that have, have kind of been ignored for years, and and they really want to access this money. Important also to point out that the GA would make the case that they are also an organisation for all. I mean, they wouldn't be pigeonholed into one particular section of the community as well, as is, uh, is what they would say. The DUP, Gordon Lyons, he's the new community's minister. Dublin offer this funding. And so Geoffrey Donaldson said, well, you know, he's he, he will be, again, anything 
beyond the 62 million that Stormont has already pledged. So the GA is 15 million, Stormont 62 million, Dublin's 20 million. It'll still not be enough. So so you can see where the blockage is there. And the, the TUV send us, I think it's on a daily basis now, um, statements about this. They're breathing down the DUP's neck. They're saying the GA is far too greedy and is taking hard-pressed taxpayers for a ride. You can see how we can have a real political problem here. People have, as the TV have tried to do, is, is caricature the GAA has come with a begging bowl. Here in Northern Ireland, they said the British government has underfunded the executive for years. I mean, there's some within the GAA who feel that the executive has underfunded the GAA going back years. One example of that would be the, the likes of the council pitches in Belfast. There's 107 grass soccer pitches. There's 16 GAA pitches. A strategy document released by the council a decade ago said 38 pitches were needed and only five have been built. So the GAA would probably counter that argument with the fact that they would say they have been underfunded um, historically and the caricature of them come with the begging bowl is unfair and part of the reason of that is to what you alluded to earlier that there are hordes of volunteers who, who scour Ulster and beyond in search of funding to build their own pitches and in, in many cases haven't asked to have a pitch built for them. Um, so I think that kind of sticks in the throat of many GAA people that that's the kind of perception that the likes of the TUV are trying to create. And the TUV, let's be honest, there would be no fans of the GAA even on a good day. Is there any danger at this stage that casement will will not be built, certainly as planned, and is, is how likely is the Euros really going to happen? I have to admit, I've put my cards on the table, I never thought for a second it would happen, but... I've gone kind of up and down with this over the last <laughs> year since the... Obviously, you have the initial announcement and you're quite optimistic that finally this is going to be the, I say the end of the road, supposed to start of the new road. But as time goes on and you have the problems like the contractor, no contractor, um, and as well as that, while Euro 28, 2028 was a great boost to hear that, it's also started the clock. And when the clock starts ticking, the pressure mounts. And you've seen that bubble over the last couple of months. And that pressure has also led to the, the political kind of pressures bubbling under the surface that are starting to kind of come to the fore now. Do I think it'll be built? I'm quietly hopeful. I mean, they started preparatory work last week. Um, it would be, I suppose, a shame to see that work done and then the, the thing not followed through with. Realistically, it's going to be very, very difficult. It has to be done, has to be started by the summer. Um, UEFA, as you say, are in town today. They'll be wanting to look at the site. They'll be looking to hear the plans. And do we have a convincing enough, um, you know, do we have enough reassurances to put to them that this is going to be built? Because we, we've lost things already as a result of this same kind of argument. When the maze structure was planned, the whole plan was to have group games from the, the Olympics in 2012. That never happened because we couldn't agree and we couldn't build anything. And, you know, here comes history repeating itself again in 2028. If we don't get this done, there's no Euros here. And I think that's a huge embarrassment for the entirety of Northern Ireland. Euros? Yeah, I mean, this all hinges on UEFA. This UEFA are huge in this process. As I say, they're in town today. They're in town this week. The IFA are rolling out the red carpet for them, so are the GAA. If they are impressed and they're happy, then that will likely lead to the, almost certainly lead to the British government chipping in the money that's required to make this happen, and then it will happen. If UEFA say, this is messy, lads, this, is, this doesn't look like it's going to happen, then the British government are very unlikely to chip in the sort of 100 million 
you know, pot of money that we're, that we're talking about to make this happen, you need to maybe take a step back and ask, why is the Euro, why are Euro twenty twenty eight happening in the UK and Ireland? Well, the idea behind this was obviously Britain's taking a bit of battering. The union as a concept is taking a bit of battering in, in the aftermath of Brexit. The idea from the British government was that if they could have this, the four nations together, plus help from the, the Republic of Ireland, that would be in, you know, working together, Northern Ireland, uh, Scotland, Wales and England, working together to host the tournament, to host the Euros, would be a way of strengthening the union and the concept of the union. If you have one element of it missing, i.e. Northern Ireland, then that kind of dilutes the whole concept behind these Euros. So it's really, it is important, I wouldn't underestimate that it is important for the British government to have Northern Ireland as part of this, to, to fulfil their vision. So they want this to happen, and UEFA want it to happen, but it's just a matter of can we get our house in order to please UEFA for this to roll forward? We'll wait and see. I think the really important thing is that this tournament goes ahead and games are played in Belfast because it's just such a huge boon for the economy, for football in the country, for 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 so many connected factors. You know, wouldn't it be great to see you know hordes of Spanish fans or Italian fans hanging around in Belfast city centre, spend their money? There's loads more to this than than just football or or, or just even GAA. It's a, it's a big a big project, and if we could, if we could pull it off, it would be a really good thing. If we miss out on it. It's such a massive blow. Liam Tunney, Keith Bailey, thank you very much. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.